You're listening to episode 31 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I am saddened and kind of excited to be able to say welcome to the final episode of season one of the Take the Reins podcast. It's been an amazing time and I'm so excited to be kind of taking a little bit of a break from producing the episodes over the summer and not because I won't be doing anything to do with Take the Reins, but because it's going to offer me an opportunity to make sure that season two is going to be even bigger and better than season one. Um, I've had so much fun and I already have some really awesome interviews recorded to kick off season two, which comes out the first week of September. And I just want to take this time to thank you. I want to thank you for your support, whether that be that you just sign on and you listen. Um, Even if you've only listened to one episode, I greatly appreciate you. And I, I want to say thank you to those who have reached out to me, those of you who have reached out and offered any sort of insight to topics that you'd like to see covered um, or any sort of insights around how the podcast has have helped you personally or has helped you personally. And I just appreciate um, all of your encouragement with this podcast. And honestly, it was it was more successful than I expected it to be. And I can't wait to see where it goes from here. So again, thank you. Thank you from the bo- bottom of my heart for joining me every week if that's you because I know there's some of you and I appreciate your dedication uh, to this podcast and to yourself because it's a personal growth podcast and if you weren't dedicated to yourself and your horsemanship um, growing in both those areas then you probably wouldn't want to be tuning in so Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if I can say it without just keeping on repeating thank you. So that being said, we're going to head into uh, the last episode of season one. And I'm really honored to be bringing this interview for you today or to you today because last week I have to apologize for the late release of this episode but at the same time I think it was necessary I think that the airwaves needed to be filled with the people that needed to be heard last week 
And this week I still felt as though I needed to be able to do this episode justice with what's happening in the world and the messages that really need to be getting across to not only the the equestrian world, but also just humanity as a whole. So for this episode, I'm bringing you a interview that I absolutely loved. It was honest and I hope that you enjoy it too and I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget that if you have anything that you'd like to say, just reach out to me on social media and I'd love to hear from you. So so for this interview, I bring about a conversation with two lovely ladies who host their own podcast called Young Black Equestrians and you'll hear in the interview that their podcast actually doesn't just focus on young black equestrians. It focuses on black equestrians from all walks of life. However, they are two young ladies themselves and so that's what they titled it and I reached out to them to be able to ask if they could help produce this last episode from a place of education and perspective in bringing diversity into our equestrian sport. So without any further ado, I would love for you to listen to this episode with Aubriana and Caitlin. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on to Take the Reins to Speak with me today. I greatly appreciate it, and I look forward to our open and honest conversation. I think it's an absolutely great opportunity to bring a much-needed conversation to the equestrian world around race and inclusion. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. So I will give the audience a little heads up. So we have two guests on the show today for this interview and Zoom was a little sticky today. So Caitlin is actually joining us via uh, speakerphone. So bear with us and uh, we're going to try to make it that so that uh, she's loud and clear for you. But I absolutely love that I have you both on with me right now and I so look forward to this conversation. To get started, can you each just share with us who you are, where you're speaking to us from, and then also your background with horses and business? Yeah. Um, so my name is Abriana. I am originally from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, but right now I reside in Zebulon, which is about an hour east of Chapel Hill. Um, I have been riding since I was about seven or eight, um, more heavily in my high school years, and I purchased my own horse as a sophomore in college. So I have been, uh, I raised him from six months old to his eight year now and um I have been riding uh doing trail riding um we showed a little bit in his younger years and we're hoping to get into endurance so oh nice I, uh, that's my my horsey background I also have um my mount from my childhood here just as a pasture puff and I have a miniature horse that I use for educational and therapy purposes okay Awesome. And Caitlin, fill us in. <laughs> um, I'm Caitlin. I'm from. I had lived in Wendell my entire life. That's where the horses are at the farm. My dad started me out riding when I was three years old. 
and he started me because he was into horses and I've stuck with it ever since. Um, I, I do Western riding, um, a lot of the trail rides. That's my kind of scene. That's where I flourish. I've done two rodeos. Um, and I have four horses. Awesome. Okay. So that's uh, that's fantastic. My husband and I actually work with a fair amount of endurance riders because we do um, trail obstacle clinics on the weekends. Not right now because we're shut oh down due gosh. to COVID. That's um, my favorite. <laughs> but we get we get so many people coming with their endurance horses, and they're they're fantastic to work with because we get a lot of horses that um, I mean they're they're purchased because they have this high energy and. They have so much stamina, but that also presents all of these other uh, slightly more difficult issues when it comes to ring work and such. So we really enjoy working with uh, with the endurance riders. And thank you both for, for sharing that with me. And now that we ha- kind of have an understanding of who you are, um, I'd love to be able to hear a little bit about the podcast. I know you both host a podcast together. And uh, if you could just tell us about the Young Black Equestrians podcast and just your why around creating it um, and your mission. Okay. So uh, Young Black Equestrians started in February or our first episode launched February of 2019. And uh, it's interesting because Caitlin and I grew up on the same like trail ride circuit, but we didn't really know each other. Hmm. But um, towards the end of 2018, early 2019, you know, I started to feel like frustrations about that kind of environment. And, Hmm. you know, the fact that it has been the exact same since I was in high school. So I reached out to Caitlin because I knew she was, you know, around my age and we're like the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, had seen some things that she shared on social media that I was like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. So I reached out to her and we came together and we decided to host a podcast. Um, it's a way for people to kind of hear our voices and be able to connect with us. It's a little bit more personal than a blog mm-hmm. and also allows, you know, horse people on the go a chance to listen to it while they're cleaning stalls mm-hmm. or while they're, while they're uh, driving to the barn, driving to work, you know, it's just a little bit more hands-off and lets you listen instead of having to read. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, we started that and You know, it started out as um, a way to just share the improvements that we thought should happen Mm -hmm. in the industry, but we decided to start talking to other people to see what their experiences are, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of turned into that. Like, I don't even remember the last time we did a solo episode, Um, but it, it has turned into, you know, just sharing all of these different young black equestrians experiences and Mm -hmm. even older ones you know it's called young black equestrians because that's what we are Mm -hmm. Uh, but we have talked to you know older mounted archers and driving ladies (laughs) 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 i was like i was i don't know why queen was like (laughs) but that didn't sound like it was going to come out very right 
Um, but you know, as, as young as uh, like a barrel racer, 15 year old barrel racer. So we talk to such a variety of ages and disciplines and they have a variety of experiences. So it's just, um, has turned into more of a community mm-hmm. and a family. And we've been able to foster that community by sharing the experiences of other people and encouraging people to share their experience with our audience. So Awesome. So when you say that you both kind of came together because you're looking to share improvements within the, in, within the industry, what would be a couple of those things that really stand out to you that, that would have pushed your why that said like, we've, we have to get our voice out here and make this be heard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, big elephant in the room, you yeah. know, the racial divide or not divide, but inequity in right. society and the horse industry is one of the um the major kind of hitters you know for Mm -hmm. us to talk about um but it also boils down to like opportunities and funding you know Mm -hmm. people you know not really giving i don't know how to say this but you know harping on like the popular what what's popular to do instead of what is actually making a difference right um we just wanted to be able to support people that were making a difference in their communities and they're not getting you know the accolades that they should at this point Mm -hmm. or those people that are you know just being role models for other youth other Mm -hmm. individuals who want to get into the horse industry but are intimidated Mm-hmm. or more ways than one yeah. so those were just a couple of the things that we um kind of wanted to address mm-hmm. okay awesome so and I know it's a hard conversation um I really value you guys coming on and I'll share with the audience that uh like there's there is a hesitation in having these conversations because everything is so heightened and it's so oversensitized, not an oversensitized as, as, as in it shouldn't be sensitized. Um, but everyone is, is perceiving everyone, everything from such a different perspective right now, um, that it's hard to be able to open up around these conversations, but it's so necessary. And that's why I really wanted to be able to have you guys on the show and bring this conversation to the forefront. This is a personal growth podcast for specifically horse owners. So I think it's the perfect platform to be able to say like there, there, there are inequalities here and all you have to do is go to a horse show to see them. And as people who are heavily involved in the equestrian world, you know, like how do we, create a sport that is more inclusive how do we help create a sport that is more diverse and do so from a really genuine place mm-hmm. um it all starts with just being a better out you know are wrong or offensive you know hold on hold on a second hold on a second start over because you were breaking up a little bit thank you for that it starts with being better people and allowing those people um 
countless people who choose ways or respectful, you know, allowing them to know what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to take some accountability because we've, well, I'm not going to say we've all, but me and Ariana have at least been in circumstances where we might have known someone to say something offensive, but they weren't checked about the things that they said or did. Mm-hmm. And from the stories that we've listened to, if something is going on and people are aware of the patterns, mm-hmm. why aren't any, why isn't there anyone that's stopping it? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's going to start it's going to start there. Um, it starts with calling out people mm-hmm. on doing, doing that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And even if we have to make an example out of someone, we just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what she said, you know, holding people accountable and, and establishing as a society, as an industry, actual social repercussions or consequences mm-hmm. for for being that kind of person being the kind of person that is divisive or mm-hmm. is not inclusive um you know not to not to downplay the impact of sexual assault but we see that it has worked with safe sport mm-hmm. and we see that there are way there is a way to establish that kind of, um, I'm not saying there needs to be a governing body, you know, saying who's racist and who's not, Mm -hmm. but there is a way to get attention to the fact that something is socially unacceptable. Yeah. And we can't say, or we can't, accept from other people like oh my gosh I don't we don't know how when it's been done Mm -hmm. you know yeah so I think the expectation of people just needs to be slightly higher you know Mm -hmm. and you just have to hold these people accountable and I know it's it's gonna be difficult you know there's people above you people in you know, administrative positions um, on these boards and associations. And you have to kind of look in yourself and say, is this, if, if you're not going to say anything, is this the kind of person that I want to associate myself with? Mm-hmm. You know, they might be able to get me here, get me there if I just be quiet. But at the end of the day, that's kind of on your moral compass. Is that the kind of person you wanted to be associated or you want to be associated with mm-hmm. and that you're content with, you know, Oh, so-and-so is my friend or yeah, I heard them say that, but you know, don't, don't be the, but mm-hmm. don't be the, but in this situation. Um, Cause it's, it's not helpful. No. And I think that's really important to put, take note of too, is that, you even people who are calling things out it's really the action piece so mm-hmm. using your morals in order to guide your actions not just your ability to speak up so if you are around people who are speaking in any sort of way or acting in any sort of way that goes against your moral compass and you and you know that man that doesn't seem right that you you do take an opportunity to look at why are you there? Why are you involved? How are they an influence on your life? And, mm-hmm. and I, I love that you say, maybe that's an opportunity for you really 
to reflect and step out of that situation yourself. So it's not necessarily that we, everyone needs to stand up and, and, and scream. It's that they need to take action and, and make that change happen through action. Yep. Completely agree. Why don't we take this opportunity to talk about what the two of you are doing, whether it be together through your podcast or other businesses or individually. I know Caitlin has some things going on to that allow us to understand what you guys are doing to support the movement right now. Caitlin, you want to share? Yeah. So I started a nonprofit called Saddle Up and Read. Oh, nice. Um, I started in 2017. And basically, I just use my horses to get kids to read. Because the literacy rates in America are are low, but mm-hmm. among children of color, they are much lower than their um, their white peers. Mm-hmm. So when I look at why aren't kids reading, um, some of it has to do with there aren't books that have that have kids that kids can see themselves in. Right. That's a piece of it, and kids read more when. They see themselves in books. Mm-hmm. They read more when they have their own books, and they read more when they see adults actually reading. Mm-hmm. So I just decided, you know, let's just use the horses. I have them. I'm very. So it's just. You cut out. So she's cutting out at the end, but um, she is speaking to my teacher heart right now. So I left my teach my job as an English teacher in uh-huh. 2017, mm-hmm. and so when she's speaking words like literacy, <laughs> yeah, she's speaking to my soul. Um, I would love to get a picture of what that looks like uh, if yeah. she's if she's able to be heard now. Yeah, Caitlin, you there? That's so weird because I have like all my bars. <laughs> um, it it might be me. I'm not sure, but I'm not, I'm trying. I'm not moving the phone, so that's all right. We'll work through it. I'm not worried. I got my husband's driving out behind the door right now on his four wheeler, so <laughs> you're gonna hear that too. <laughs> He's taking taking my daughter down to the barn to get. We bought her two new baby cows so that she can uh, learn the responsibility of of uh, bottle feeding. So. Oh, <laughs> going on four wheelers to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm using the horses um, just to to bring attention to the literacy, to bring attention to the lack of representation mm-hmm. in books and in the horse industry altogether. Mm-hmm. And um, Ariana and I are also the co um, co leaders of our 4-H club. And kids are learning about horses. You know, mm-hmm. not not how to ride, but they're learning the science behind how to take care of horses and why we do certain things when we're in certain situations with horses. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's fantastic. Aubriana, you said that you use the horses, your mini, especially for working with the public and therapy. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I got the mini as um, just a not a joke, but I was like, wouldn't it be nice if I had a miniature version of my horse? <laughs> and I just happened to be perusing Craigslist and one with almost identical markings was available. So I was like, all right. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I got to get them like there. I already spoke it into existence and yeah. here we go. <laughs> and so I got them and, um, 
he just ended up having the demeanor of an animal that would be good at that job. So, uh, you know, when I partnered up with Caitlin, you know, and wanted to support Saddle Up and Read, and some of the some of the instances, you know, it's better not to bring a big horse. Mm -hmm. um, if you know that it's going to be pretty busy or if it's an indoor area or something like that. And so I just started kind of dabbling and, and taking them many different places. Um, you know, we would do fundraisers. We did a fundraiser at Tractor Supply with them, with the 4-H club and, you know, had the kids out there and, you know, pet the mini for a donation. <laughs> so just, just little things. And so he got into the, um, uh, kind of into the groove of, of going and visiting people and, and seeing, you know, different kinds of people. We've, we've visited, um, active senior sitters and the homeless shelter and, um, some different, um, kind of mental disability situations. So it's a really nice, um, way to kind of bring about that conversation mm -hmm. and, uh, remain you know get people to understand or to actually see in real life you know a horse mm -hmm. and kind of minimize the liability of the gigantic animal and having to pull the horse trailer and all this mm -hmm. so um when we go to visit these or when we were asked to attend different schools and stuff we kind of found that we were asked to read to younger grade children because mm -hmm older grades don't need to be read to but um the books that we had you know it's a, they're about black cowboys and cowgirls and you know black figures in history but their the reading level was a little too high like we were making mm -hmm. we were paraphrasing the story using the pictures you know and the kids don't know the difference because at mm -hmm. that point they don't know how to read um and then it was just kind of, it, it felt like we were just doing it a disservice. Mm -hmm. So I decided to write um, my own books. Good for you. And um, so there's two out now. The third one should be coming out at some point. <laughs> but it's a series. It's called Cowgirl Cameron. Cowgirl and Cameron. the um, one of the characters is my mini. So I kind of tie that together so that we can if I go places, I can take the mini and read the book and then share, like, this is the mini um, that's in the book. So cool. we kind of, it's it's like a never ending cycle of just interwoven things that we do together. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. So I'm not sure if this question's quite worded right. Um but I think however you interpret it, you can kind of just go from there. Um, but if you could offer, and this goes to either of you, offer advice or, or your opinion even, because I'm not sure if, he, if it's a matter of advice um, about how you believe the equestrian world could be diversified. I think that it's a, it's a really important, important, understanding for everyone to be able to say, okay, like, yeah, we, we are 
open. We, we would love to see more diversity, but how do we help make this happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the ways is like people, people don't go where they don't see people that look like them. Right. So when you pick up a catalog, you, you pick up a smart pack or a, a Dover mm-hmm. or Ariat catalog, and you don't see anybody that looks like you mm-hmm. in there. Um, you're not inclined to patronize that business. I mean, mm-hmm. you might, you might, because there's no other option, right? you know, and that goes for a kind of diversity on all spectrums, you know, whether it goes, yeah. whether it's from, you know, weight, you know, you don't see any larger models right. in these publications either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're looking at stock photos, you don't see any, you know, darker skin tones holding a brush or holding mm-hmm. tack or you know whether their mm-hmm. face is in it or not you don't see people of color in this space yeah, so yeah. representation um is key in that aspect mm-hmm. and not not the halfway sugar-coated i'm putting a she's slightly darker but you know the colorism aspect of it you know be committed to it and put someone of color and don't make it you know someone who is super racially ambiguous and Mm -hmm. you know will make quote-unquote make everybody happy you know so um with that you know the the representation when it comes to just print as well as media Mm -hmm. um you know highlighting these um people of color who are actually in these industries because mm-hmm. we've talked to a few and I don't I don't ever see them around but I know that they're competing mm-hmm. you know and it's I would say that it's more so in the English world versus the western because yeah. you'll see people of color you know doing bull riding and mm-hmm. you know western events and from our experience on the podcast a lot of people kind of go towards those, uh, towards Western, uh, the discipline, because a lot of the events are speed related. Mm -hmm. And that takes out the factor of the person is judging you based on what you look like. Absolutely. Yep. So um, that's like, like, how can you argue with that? Mm -hmm. How can you argue with that? You know, not saying that one is better than the other, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to that is the reason why I'm not, in the hunter ring because Mm -hmm. judges don't understand my body type that's also the reason why larger equestrians kind of shy away from Mm -hmm. those disciplines i honestly think that what you're discussing right now is a topic that needs to be opened up in a general sense within the english industry um Mm -hmm. i don't want to say that it's less welcoming than the other industries. But when you speak to people and have those open conversations, it often is the message that gets told. So I come from a hunter background Mm -hmm. and uh, it is, it's less of a welcoming overall welcoming industry. And I don't know if it stems from the nature of the, how it's judged. Um, but it's definitely not one that, um, that people tend to really feel is an open and communicative and um, inclusive area, unfortunately. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So, okay. Well, thank you. Caitlin, did you have anything to offer there? Yeah, I was like, I talked so long. I don't even know. We might need to repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I don't mind. Um, I just agree that it's representation that needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are saying that, well, it's expensive to have a horse. Mm-hmm. And I understand when they say this, but there's people who can afford it and they never met a black horse trainer or a black instructor. And so they don't want to do it because they don't feel welcomed by the other people who are offering it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to note. Um, and in all honesty, when I look back, I have, I'm in a business mastermind right now and my mastermind coach called on all of us within this mastermind to look at within our own businesses and to to express where we felt like we were were dropping the ball and that really seemed to be the main key point for everyone and all and i'm i'm probably the only business looking in the equestrian world within this mastermind but it really seems to be that representation that seems to be missing across the board whether that be uh, yoga. I watched a video today on um, on yoga and how there's a you know a, a mass misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that 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 is a conversation that needs to be had around all businesses. But I agree a hundred percent. I'm kind of like reviewing in my head if I've ever seen any representation in any of my magazines. Now I I do predominantly reigning, and I see it slightly there, but, but far less than you would ever believe should be. So, and that's definitely an area in my business that I've been made aware of lately as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll ask this question next. And then I have a question that I'm excited to, um, to get a response from you guys. Cause I think that it really goes in the direction of, um, what I enjoy bringing about in the, in this podcast from an education point of view. So we'll start here and then I have one more question. So from what you have seen and experienced or heard stories of, especially within your podcast, what do you think people, what would be your overall message that if somebody said to you, okay, ladies, like you have five minutes, what can you say? to the equestrian industry, to horse people who, horse people get it. These horse people that are, are here and saying we're open and we, we see that there's, there's a need for change. Um, we see is beyond the representation or misrepresentation. What, or what would you like to say? I would say, don't be afraid to applaud people just because Mm -hmm. they're different. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's a competition, like everything is a competition, but just don't be afraid to tell somebody they did a good job. Yeah. Even if no, you don't see anyone else doing it, don't be afraid to do that. And don't crush anyone's dreams or hopes that they, of something that they want to do. Because I share the story all the time that as an adult, I met a man who was older than me. And when I started talking to him and he realized that I rode horses, he was just like, wow, when I was younger, I was told that black people did did not do that, mm-hmm. that black people did not own or ride horses. And so I didn't think that I could be a cowboy one day. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, I wish somebody would have told him something different because who knows what he could have brought to the horse industry. Yeah, absolutely. Good yeah. advice. 
Yeah, I I agree with that. And um I I feel like um I I said previously, um, you know, you it's not okay to just speak up. Yeah. You know, you have to speak out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I I appreciate a hundred percent, you know, everyone saying, you know, they're listening, mm-hmm. they hear us. They, you know, stand in solidarity. Um, at this point, we need to be running in solidarity. Right. We need kind of the action um, to come behind the words. And I think that's what we're, we're kind of at a tipping point now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the rest of the week will hold. Mm-hmm. But we, we are at this point where, you know, everybody is, like you said, kind of, this heightened sensitivity, you know, people are angry, people are passionate, and we're at the point where we say, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. So actually, if you are, you know, you're listening, take take into consideration the suggestions people are making. Mm-hmm. You know, some, a lot of people feel, you know, emboldened to start something new and like, yes, I'm going to support, or I'm going to start up this, this nonprofit that's going to help. You know, you can't, just like someone feels like they can't enter a space where there's no one that looks like them, Mm -hmm. you can't enter these communities where by yourself with no one that looks like the community there Mm -hmm. and expect to enact a whole bunch, a a gigantic change. Mm -hmm. You know, it's admirable, but you need to support the organizations that already exist and that are already, you know, in the community. Mm -hmm thickly intertwined and just, you know, needing additional support, needing help writing grants, needing help with funding. You know, if you can't donate money, donate time, mm-hmm. you know, you know, work with the kids, work with the youth, um, help, you know, with lessons and such. I've had people even just reach out, you know, say, Hey, I, I'm a rep for an equine nutrition company. Do you want me to talk to your 4-H kids about mm-hmm. nutrition? Yes police i got a minor in it but i don't remember it (laughs) you know (laughs) so it's like please you know just just doing what you can as who you are you know not trying to step outside of that Mm -hmm. but supporting what's already there and and making sure that what you say has some action behind it and Mm -hmm. that we're not sitting here having the same conversation a year from now. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Okay. This is going to be my last question and I'm really interested to hear your answers, both your answers. So horses teach us a lot of incredible lessons in life and, and so many of them have nothing to do with horses and this really, um, and I'm sure that you probably come across this when you're doing your, your literacy and, and any sort of therapy work. Can you share with us something that your work with horses has taught you that may help listeners navigate hard conversations that are absolutely necessary conversations that are taking place right now? That's a really good question. Yeah, it is. Horses have really taught me patience, Mm -hmm. and anyone, I think anyone who works with horses can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's things that I've wanted to do and things I've wanted to change, like literacy, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be patient, and you have to be, you have to commit to it and decide that you're in, you're in this for the Mm -hmm. long run. 
not just it sounds good and you're going to raise a hoopla about it and then a few months later or a year later you're nowhere to be found for that cause yeah. so i think just being patient and knowing that it's going to take a lot of work you know it, it takes more than an idea for to make something happen to change something ooh, ooh, you yeah. have to actually implement a plan ooh. and then you have to bring other people with you to implement it because you cannot do it by yourself yeah that was a sermon right there good answer <laughs> <laughs> i know like okay let me think of something else to say <laughs> follow that up <laughs> Okay. Um, I would say my horses have taught me how to value and exercise creative thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, getting, getting a horse at a young age, like the horse's young age, you know, I couldn't ride for a couple years um, anyway. So I was like, all right, well, I wanted to be like so easy, like because I've never, you know, trained a horse from the ground up. I wanted it to be so easy. Like it's, it's a non-factor. Like I'm just in a different spot and we, you know, we can just ride off. It'll be great. And so I exposed my horse to everything I possibly could. I hauled them mm-hmm. to shows. Uh, we just did, you know, halter and showmanship and in hand, but um, I hauled them, you know, everywhere I could in the most rinky dink of trailers and, you know, just did what I could to kind of give him that exposure. But also with having the mini, like I got, I had the mini for about a year before we started really kind of getting into therapy work and, you know, having him kind of push the cowgirl Cameron and was, ha, has been able to to push the the appeal and the the activity around you know me doing these projects and working with Saddle Up and Read and mm-hmm. you know kind of being able to foster that relationship with the community. Um, we go to this little general store and get ice cream, and I'll just put on Facebook, <laughs> "Hey, Encore is at the general store. Come by and say hey." And people will literally like into the parking lot you know like I go there <laughs> so I think having having the horses has just allowed me personally to be more creative I mean he has a whole vehicle to himself like I had <laughs> built stalls in the back like you know and awesome. and that that ability to be creative has flourished in so many other aspects of my life mm-hmm. that it has has brought more perspective and kind of solidified in my mind what what my purpose is here on this earth. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That was a fantastic answer too. Thanks. I, <laughs> that was I great. <laughs> so I love, I love the ideas of patience and commitment. And I think mm-hmm. that that is, that is such a, uh, an example of what needs to take place. Right. And you're absolutely right that that commitment, it's not going to be that even in, in a month's time, it looks like everything in the dust has settled. Whew. Okay. That one's over. It's not over. Mm -hmm. This is something that, you know, as a, as a humanity, as a community, um, it's something that needs to be committed to for the long haul in order to see any sort of change, because it's not going to happen if we all just go, okay, well, that's done, right? And then the exposure, when you use the word exposure, 
I can't help but think about the importance of exposure for our horses. Absolutely. Like, why do we know that we need to have good exposure for our horses? And that's so that when they're in these other situations, they know how to think their way through it and they know how to appropriately respond. And I think that speaks so much to like, I have a six-year-old daughter. um, And if I go to a horse show with her and I only ever stick around horse shows around home, she's only ever going to see people that look like her at horse shows at home. Mm -hmm. So that importance of exposure to teach her a new way, teach these generations a new way and to be able to, to say like, you know, this, this doesn't have to be the way this picture looks. Um, and it doesn't look like this everywhere. And I think that's really, really important for people to understand in that if you don't have the ability to expose your children to, to diversity in any way, shape or form in the sense that whether it's whatever sport they're involved in, um, or school or whatever that looks like, if you can't do that at your own, uh, in your own community, uh, you, you know, that's hard to control, but you can step outside of that community and ensure that your children are getting the exposure that they need for them to be understanding. Yep. That is the truth. All right. Well, ladies, thank you very much. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much for inviting us to be part of your podcast. It's so nice to, uh, to hear and to be able to share with other people that are in the same kind of medium Mm-hmm. that we are as far as getting our voices heard. Yeah, for sure. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, maybe we'll chat in September. I'd love to have you back on the show and Caitlin, maybe you'll not be on speakerphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for our next conversation. But um, again, I appreciate you coming on and uh, I will do up, uh, I'll do up in my show notes. I'll put some posts or some links there to saddle up and read and to your podcast. And uh, I just really appreciate you coming on the show today. Of course. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, take care and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Bye ladies. All right. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening. And we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.